Hi, my name is Alexandria Merrill. I'm a public relations and crisis management specialist. I also help adults who are dealing with bullying, stalking, or harassment in their personal, professional, or business lives learn what I call the four C's of personal crisis management. That is to compartmentalize the attacks, cope with your emotions, combat the aggressor, and regain control over your life. This is my first episode on the subject, and I think it's really important to agree on some terminology. Words like bullying, stalking, and harassment have become really overgeneralized, with many people using them to include really any activity that hurts their feelings or opposes their opinions or potentially offends them in some way. The problem with using these words in this overgeneralized way is that it often prevents people who are legitimate victims from being helped. Fearful of being branded a whiner or overly dramatic or even dismissed as somebody who, quote, brought it on themselves, people can suffer attacks in silence for long periods of time, which can be extremely damaging to their mental health. Social media providers are so overwhelmed with the sheer volume of online complaints of bullying and harassment, the majority of which do not rise to the level of real actionable issues, that they can and do miss genuine crises. And human uh, resource departments in work often struggle to differentiate between what's called a snowflake crisis and a real bullying or harassment situation. We also want to focus on situations that are actionable. Actionable means that something rises to a level where authorities would intervene and take action. It doesn't mean that you want to get the authorities involved, but that if you did, these are the kind of behaviors that authorities would take action in. So let's start with some basic terminology. Bullying is generally defined as unwanted, aggressive behavior happening on more than one occurrence that capitalizes on real or perceived power inequity to compel the target to a certain end. From a legal standpoint, all four components need to be met. So let's break down the components. First, unwanted aggressive behavior typically falls into two categories. One, physical bullying, which can be either an actual physical or sexual assault or the threat of a physical or sexual assault. And two, emotional bullying, which involves the direct or indirect manipulation of a target's feelings or of the feelings of others about that target. Second, it's generally recognized that bullying requires unwanted aggressive behavior to take place on more than one occasion. Someone who aggressively calls you a name on one occasion is likely just an ass, whereas someone who calls you derogatory names whenever they see you at work or if they meet you in some other uh, venue is exhibiting actionable bullying behavior. Third, a power inequity means that the perpetrator has real or perceived power over the target. This power can be in the form of, of an authority figure like a boss or a religious figure or a family member but often comes in the form of a person who exerts power through the threat of exposure. I call this a shame campaign. The most common shame campaigns involve the threat to expose someone's sexuality or to damage their reputation. Sex-based shame campaigns can include the threat to reveal hidden sexual orientation, extramarital or relationship affairs, or the distribution of sexually explicit photos, videos, or correspondence. Reputation-based shame campaigns typically focus on the revelation of information that would be damaging to a person's relationship with their personal or business reputation. It should be noted that shame campaigns don't need to provide legitimate information. Simply spreading rumors or manufactured photos can be just as damaging and intimidating as real content. Think about it. 
If someone started spreading a rumor that you were cheating on your partner, or you were being investigated for child abuse, or you used to be a porn actress, even if it's untrue, that can stick to you and seriously damage your personal and professional relationships. This is why shame campaigns are so effective. Uh, and shame campaigns aren't just focused on a person. Businesses are often caught up in a shame campaign. If someone claims that your bakery is being investigated for vermin, or your law firm embezzles money from clients, or your clothing line is manufactured using child labor, a perpetrator can quickly and directly negatively impact a business. And fourth, bullying requires that the perpetrator has a goal. This goal can be tangible, like money or property or sex, or intangible if the goal is to hurt your feelings, damage your self-esteem, end your relationship with someone, get you fired, or to cause you to be ostracized from your group. So a quick recap. If every Wednesday for the last three weeks after a staff meeting, your boss corners you and says, I'm going to fire you if you don't have sex with me, that is bullying behavior. It also involves other crimes, sexual harassment, potentially sexual assault, but for our example, it's clearly bullying behavior. It has all of the required elements. One, corning you is aggressive and un unwanted. Two, the behavior has taken place on more than one occasion. Three, the perpetrator is your boss, so he has perceived power over you. And four, his goal is to use that power to achieve his goal of sex. However, if your boss simply asks you out and you aren't interested, that may be awkward, it may be inappropriate, but that isn't in and of itself bullying because it doesn't meet those four criteria. Not all bullying involves the perpetrator attempting to make the target do something. Often, the goal is simply to hurt the target in some way. So if you're in a divorce proceeding and your ex-wife posts restaurant and hotel receipts on social media that suggests that you were having an affair, that is bullying behavior. She is engaged in a shame campaign. Divorce, uh, divorce proceedings are often, one, acrimonious, two, social media postings means that the receipts can be seen multiple times by many people, three, your wife has a position of power through perceived insider knowledge and the ability to release that information, and four, the goal is to damage your reputation with friends and family and potentially to make you less sympathetic with court. Whether the receipts are legitimate and you were having an affair, or the receipts are manufactured and you've never cheated on your wife is completely immaterial. She can be posting real receipts and be guilty of bullying at the same time. Bullying is the totality of the actions, not the legitimacy of the assertions. This brings me to cyber or online bullying. This is an area where many people generalize behavior and confuse asinine behavior, immature behavior, and sometimes simple, genuine discourse with bullying. Online bullying still requires the four criteria. If you're playing an online game and someone says, you suck, you should go kill yourself, that person is an immature ass. Even if every time you go online and play, someone makes these type of comments, that probably doesn't rise to the level of bullying because you personally aren't being targeted. It just means you're surrounded by jerks. Legitimate cyberbullying typically involves either a perpetrator emailing or messaging you directly in order to intimidate you to achieve their goal, or posting things about you in order to achieve their goal. So if a coworker emails you or sends you a text or instant message and says, if you don't bring me $1,000, I'm going to email a nude photo that I have that looks just like you to all of the people at work. In addition to being extortion or blackmail and theft by coercion, that is bullying behavior. Again, one, the contact is unwanted. 
Two, if disseminated, the picture would be seen on multiple occasions. Three, the coworker has power over you because you have a photo, uh, because they have a photo that looks like you and intends on using it to, four, achieve their goal of either getting money or shaming you at work. The most common types of cyber uh, bullying involve shame campaigns and can be perpetrated by someone that you know or by a complete stranger. People with emotional or mental challenges can attach themselves to people that they feel they know from social media or online forums or some other type of interaction and then fixate on that target, often with the goal of either injecting themselves into the target's life or shaming the target. So if Mary posts a bad review about your restaurant online, it's probably a legitimate reaction to how she felt about her dining experience. The owner of the restaurant may not like it, but a legitimate review, even if it's negative, even if it hurts your feelings, is not bullying. If, however, Mary fixates on the server, Bob, who brought her the meal, begins stalking Bob on social media, contacts his friends, makes claims that he tried to come on to her sexually, maybe creates a blog about him, this is clearly bullying behavior. Mary is aggressively seeking to damage Bob's reputation. She's also stalking and harassing him. It's important to note that bullying isn't an exclusive crime. Many people who are bullied are also stalked and harassed. Some of the behavior clearly crosses into other categories. I also want to reiterate that truthfulness is not a defense to bullying. In cases of defamation, libel, or slander, it's said that truth is the absolute defense. Since defamation is defined as a false statement, if whatever statement was made is true, there is no defamation. However, bullying doesn't differentiate between a true statement and a defamatory one because bullying is an action. This confusion often prevents people with legitimate, actionable cases of bullying from coming forward. So, for example, if a coworker discovers that you were once arrested and uses the existence of that arrest to try to force you to give up a promotion or give her money, that is still bullying. Even though the arrest record is legitimate, it's still an illegal act against you. By the same token, if the coworker discovers that you were once arrested and disseminates this information in an attempt to get you fired or shame you, that is still bullying behavior. It does get trickier, however, since just telling people or gossiping about your past arrest probably doesn't rise to the standard of bullying unless there's a clear goal. Often gossips are simply insecure people who use other people's lives to provide them with a way to feel important. Uh, A gossip for a short period of time has everyone's attention. If, however, the gossiping targets one person in particular and the group has the intent of inflicting emotional damage, this more likely falls into a bullying category. So let's talk really quickly about what does not constitute actionable bullying. One is trolling. When someone, typically on social media, creates a post designed to be offensive or shocking in order to elicit a response, this is called trolling. While unpleasant, immature, and often infuriating, trolling is generally not considered bullying because it's behavior designed to make you angry, but not designed to compel you to do something or to damage your reputation in the eyes of others. Uh, Number two is discourse. If you post that you love Hillary Clinton and someone else posts that they love Donald Trump, that's not bullying. That's an expression of preference. That's an expression of preference that may be different from yours, but the right to express a difference of opinion is one of the cornerstones of society. 
if you post that you love being a Methodist and someone responds by saying, only a moron believes in organized religion, or what an idiot, Lutheranism is the only real path to heaven, these people are being asses. They're expressing their opinion in a not very nice way, and they may be trolling you to get an angry response, but simply being an ass online isn't bullying. And third is what's called the expectation of inclusion. The participation trophy culture has created an expectation in many people that they have the right to be included. This creates a lot of friction and hurt feelings if they feel that their coworkers or acquaintances are excluding them from activities. So if a group of coworkers goes to lunch and doesn't invite you, that isn't bullying behavior. They may want to discuss a private matter, they may want to go to a restaurant that they know you won't like, they may not like to eat with you because you talk with your mouth full of food, or they may just not like you. There is no universal right to be liked. So in reviewing your situation, if you find that the activities do rise to a level of actionable bullying, your next step is documentation. You can create a document log by noting the time, date, and place of the bullying, as well as details. I'll be posting a documentation episode shortly. If you find that behavior you're experiencing doesn't rise to the level of actionable bullying, but more closely resembles trolling or discourse or expectations of inclusion, or you're being gossiped about, it can be really helpful to remove yourself from the situation for a little while and recalibrate. I'll post an episode on recalibration shortly as well. Uh, I hope this has been really helpful in identifying actionable bullying behavior. In my next few videos, I'm going to discuss actionable stalking behavior, harassment and hate campaigns, revenge reviews, and workplace bullying. I'll also start answering questions. So if you're struggling with stalking, bullying, harassment, or hate campaigns as an individual, a professional, or as a business, connect with me on social media. Details are in my bio, and I'll try to offer you some actionable advice. Thank you for being part of this episode. If you are being bullied personally or if your business is being targeted by a shame campaign, you can find a lot of resources as well as information about workshops and consultation-based assistance at my website, www.alexandriamerrill.com. Thank you again, and I hope you'll join me soon.